Mary's story, out, out of about 340 prophecies that were fulfilled at Christ's coming, that the Messiah was coming, Mary was part of those prophecies. It, it was said that out of Bethlehem would come a virgin. Out of, in Isaiah 9, he prophesied that a, a virgin would give birth to the Son, to the Messiah. And Mary's story is integral in part of Jesus' story coming forward. And so there's questions about this, Mary, did you know? And I, I want to explore a few of those, what she did know and what she didn't know, and tie maybe Mary's story into your story and my story when we say yes to God. Is that okay? And so let's start in Luke's gospel, and we'll, um, we'll read through the passage together here. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you want to follow along, Luke chapter 1, we'll start in verse 26. It says, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. And then the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you'll conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And she'll call his name Jesus, and he'll be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then Mary said to the angel, how can this be, since I don't even know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. Can you read the last line with me? For with God, nothing will be impossible. Aren't you glad for that? That's one of the verses that brought me to Jesus. With God, all things will be possible. So let's look at this a little bit. When, when Mary said yes... What did she really know, and what didn't she know? And this just, you know, she, the apocryphal writers, so there's writers, biblical writers. We get most of our information about Mary really from Luke's gospel, about her background, a little bit in Matthew's gospel. But there's apocryphal writers, which are historians and those writers that uh, were around or at least heard stories maybe in the first century about Mary, and some have written concerning her. And so they've never been weighted as the same with Scripture, but some of those writings I've looked at through the years, some of them are archived in Vatican, and, and uh, now they're available online. And so some would say this concerning Mary, that she was raised in a, uh, a you know, religious family. Actually, Zacchaeus, her, her, or Zacharias, her, her cousin, her relative, he was one of the priests in the temple. And so her cousin Elizabeth, likewise, there was a religious upbringing. And some of the apocryphal writings say Mary was raised from the age of three until 12 or 13 in the temple itself. So she was around religious, uh, you know, teaching. She was around the teaching of the Torah, the law. She was around temple worship. She was around temple sacrifice. Some of the tradition says that Mary was even had a part in, in uh, repairing and sewing the veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the outer courts. Others said that there's writings that said she even danced inside the temple. So she, she had a worshiper's heart. She had a heart that responded to God that way. And so when you think, Mary, did you know why you were picked? Was it heritage? Or was it your heart that you're a worshiper? Was it, was it your upbringing that even in that time, in that place, that to be a servant in the temple, there'd be other men, other leaders, other elders around that'd be protecting you. They'd be watching out for you. Mary, did you get chosen because you were a, a separated one, a consecrated one? Or what is it about God that would pick somebody from Nazareth where scripture says nothing good comes from Nazareth? Huh? You're, you're, you're just a common person, but God chose you. Mary, did you know why you were chosen? Well, after she got chosen, she even worshiped. She said this in Luke 1, verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, 
and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. And so she knew maybe she was picked because of her heart, but maybe she was picked because she was a worshiper. Mary, did you know that that same angel Gabriel that visited you had visited your cousin? We see it in scripture, but we're not sure. And so this visitation of the angel that comes and tells Mary, you're pregnant. There's also angel business happening in other parts of the family. Her older cousin relative who'd been barren now is with child. And so when Mary understood that I'm going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit, who's going to get this? Who's going to understand this? I mean, I've been sequestered around the temple, and and I've been taken care of, and now I show up pregnant. Mary, did you know that the rumors would fly? Mary, did you know that they're going to accuse you? They're going to accuse others around the temple of this happening to you? The apocryphal writings say say her husband Joseph, her husband-to-be, was a carpenter, and he was away when all this happened. And he comes back to the rumor mill. It's the homeschool girl that's pregnant. Who did it? It's the temple girl that's having a baby and the gossip and all that that started from that. And then she had to explain it to her own uh, husband-to-be that she was with child by the Holy Spirit. Good thing there's other angel business going on because the angel appears to Joseph, lets him in on it. And tells them that, that what she's telling you is true. What she's telling you is, is true. That the Holy Spirit, he is going to come upon her. She is going to bring forth Messiah. Guess what, Joseph? You youngsters, you're going to be parenting the Son of God. How about that news? It's tough enough just having a, a child alone. I remember when we took Jeff home from the hospitals, like, is there instructions? I mean, what, what do we do with this guy? He looked like he came out of the birth canal sideways. He looked like... <laughs> Space invader, and uh, we, we take him home. He goes into several days' worth of jaundice. I mean, we're trying to figure out what to do. But what if they said, okay, here's the son of God. Take him. You're in a manger to start with. Go, go ahead. Take him. Start this adventure like that. Mary, did you know you'd give birth by yourself? That you'd leave town, go to another place, no, no parental support, no mom by your side? You got shepherds there. And animals there. Mary, did you know that starting place would begin this way? Mary, did you know that as time developed and these magi showed up, that they knew historically, prophetically, that this was somebody special that you were raising? When you brought them to the temple to dedicate them, Mary, did you know there's people that have been waiting and longing for the birth of your son? And then Mary, did you know as the Magi came that that Herod would put out a a death threat against him? Mary, did you know that there'd be other little boys killed in Bethlehem, perhaps dozens? We don't know the number. But Mary, did you know those could have been Jesus' playmates? Those were the ones, the school kids he grew up with. And they died because you were chosen. Mary, did that weigh on you? Mary, how was that pressure? You said yes to God. And you didn't know all these other things would be happening, and you still said yes. Mary, if you would have known all these other things, would you still have said yes? Then you watched him grow up. You, you saw the miracles. You saw the deliverances. You saw the lepers healed. You saw blind men receive sight again. You saw lame walk. Mary, did you know that it was going to be ex- exciting at the same time as bring misunderstanding, bring division, bring persecution? How much of the story did you really get, Mary, before you said yes? And Mary, did you know that he would be crucified like that? Throughout the Gospels, he he alluded to it, that he'd be sacrificed as a lamb. He'd bear the sins of the world. But did you know really what was going to happen in the end? And if you knew all that, would you still say yes? Would you still say yes? Mary, did anybody ever say thank you? When the crowds were around him, were sometimes you treated like a celebrity because you gave birth to the Son of God? Were there times people were thanking you, shaking your hand and saying, if it wasn't for you, none of this could happen. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't receive my dead child back. Was there times of thank you? Were there times of accolades? Were there times of amazement? Was there times of celebration? Was there times of rejoicing balanced with the challenge of saying yes to God? 
And framing her story, I, I don't know, sometimes it's, it's much different than your story and my story. I mean, it's much, much different. But I mean the regard for when you and me say yes to God, when you and me have those encounters, maybe not angelic, maybe not to the, any near the degree of the dramatic that Mary experienced, but when you and me had those encounters and you felt the Holy Spirit knocking. And in my life, I felt cornered at 21. I'd been making choices, and we started doing drugs, and I did not like the course my life was heading. And I remember praying this, God, I only have one life to live, but I don't want to mess it up. And my life was being cornered, and people started sharing the gospel with me. And I was sitting in the back at Calvary Chapel one night when Chuck Smith was giving the altar talk call. It was so compelling, and the Holy Spirit was so strong. I, I, before I knew it, I'm standing up. Next thing I know, I'm up front. Next thing I know, I'm crying and felt like a weight had been broken and blasted off of me. And, and when I said yes to God, he, he didn't show me the whole picture, just like he doesn't show you the whole picture. We say yes, hopefully in degrees. We say yes to let it be done to me according to your word. And then things began to progress. And always, with, with the adventures we've been on and the nations and the different things I've been involved with, that always comes with challenges. It always comes with opposition. How many know there's this little G of this world, the little God of this world, opposes what God wants to do in your life? He's constantly trying to derail you and persuade you another direction. And yet... When we say yes to God, just like Mary, he said, I'll give you favor and I'll be with you. And I'll be with you. I wonder if we ask Mary, Mary, was there times when you would say, God, are you really with me with all this going on? Just like you've asked and I've asked, God, in the midst of this, where are you? You ever ask that question? And yet he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful when we say yes to God. He's faithful when we say yes to God to bring the, uh, the anointing we need, the power we need, the provision we need to follow the will of God. Do you believe that, church? And so I'm hoping in Christmas 2017, there's some people here that maybe you've sensed God's prop prompting you. Maybe you sense he's trying to propel you in a new direction or open a door for you or want you to talk to somebody. Some of you aren't called to international stuff. Some of you are called to home stuff right now to taking care of aging parents, to doing those things that God's begun to speak to you about. Some, it's going to be a big deal just to show up Christmas dinner with the weird relatives and, and, and obey the prompting of the Lord. Talk to them. Share your story with them. And when we say yes to God, it's amazing what God can do. Do you believe that? And so in just the next few minutes, I've invited uh, actually four ladies who said yes to Jesus. And I know their stories because we've talked not all their stories. I know part of their stories. And I want to have them share with you what's gone on in their lives since they've said yes to Jesus. And so, Hope Swecker, would you come first? Hope, Hope, you heard some of Hope's story last week on the video. Come on, give it up for him. I know I caught him a little off guard with this. And uh, thanks, Hope. Thank you, thank you. I, caught him a, I didn't give him a lot of notice for this, but last week, if you were here, you saw Hope's story, and she shared about going from hopelessness to hope in, in knowing Jesus, and uh, we got to meet through, where's Kevin? Kevin's back there, Kevin Toke. Kevin's been a friend of the church for years. He helped plant the Mississippi church, and now he's back because they're engaged. It's exciting. And, and so, um, but Hope... Her journey coming from what she shared on in the video to where she is now, she shared that with us personally, and I'd just like her to share part of that in saying yes to God. Go for it. Which part? Uh, yes. I, so, so, I talk a lot, so it could be a Yeah, different. well, so when, when we, we were talking, first how you came to the Lord, you shared a little bit of that, but yeah. then you were sharing about being raised, your parents were diplomats, you traveled to many different countries, and so doing, it seemed like you said on weekends, or weekdays was business around there, but weekends, your parents in different countries made an outreach, inviting people in the highways, the byways to come and eat fellowship. You grew up around that, and that sparked something in you that the God began to deal with for where you're now. Yeah. Can you address that a little bit? I sure can. Hopefully it won't take forever. And he might not get the microphone back. <laughs> I, I've heard you talk again, so I'm going to shoot a flare. If we go, there's <laughs> you do that. two others, and there's probably Christmas lunch around here, so go ahead. Yeah. So I was born into a military family. My dad was a fighter pilot in the U.S. Air Force. And if any of you have been in the military, you know that there's one way to do things. 
and that's all. <laughs> Military then, way. Yeah. And then my father became a diplomat. So we lived in the Middle East. We lived in Asia. And, um, you know, as I'm listening to the singers, wow, I'm still recovering. I'm a little bit of a mess from that. Um, that was powerful. But my dad had such a love of Jesus. That man ate the word of God as though it was the only thing to be done on earth. And he was a workaholic. So, I mean, he was working from 6.30 in the morning until 6.30 at night. But when he was home, that man was home. And he taught us about Jesus. And so there was no way that I did not know who the Lord was. Um, so when I went through some really difficult things in life, I had a, a huge foundation of the knowledge of the word of God. And, you know, in my home, I, I came to know the Lord when I was six, seven years old. Some missionaries came to Korea to evangelize to little Korean kids. And I <laughs> sat every, you know, it was, what, five days of a, a revival service? Mm. And I sat the first four days in the front row because um, I'm the firstborn, and I'm a recovering type AAA personality. <laughs> so, you know, you can never do enough, mm. be at the front enough. Mm. <laughs> Praise Jesus for healing. Um, <laughs> one day I'll stop cleaning. My kids will be thankful for that. Um, but I would sit at the front row because Jesus had said to me um, that I was going to win this painting. Um, the, the missionaries that came to evangelize did chalk drawings. Mm. And so as they shared about the gospel, they would draw these beautiful pictures. And when you walked in the back door, they'd give you a little red ticket. That you were going to, you know, whoever got that raffle would win the picture. So I came in the first day and I felt Holy Spirit. I didn't know who Holy Spirit was. I knew who Jesus was. Holy Spirit was a nice idea in the Bible. Um, but he said to me, like, you're going to win this drawing. And so I used to think, like, wow, I'm really brilliant. I always know what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> no, that's Holy Spirit. Um, but the last day on Friday, we were running late in my family. We sat down and had just a beautiful dinner all the time. And my mom, you know, had gone late. So I'm so dejected. I'm sitting in the back row. I'm not going to win this, you know, this picture. Clearly, I don't know anything anymore because it's six. I had had a long track record of knowing everything. <laughs> um, but that was the night that I gave my life to the Lord. Um, the chalk drawing that um, this artist had done was a lighthouse up on a cliff mm. and a really rocky sea and this tiny little ship. And they had shared how Jesus was the lighthouse. Mm. And we were that little ship. And life was that incredibly rocky sea. And as a little kid, I didn't quite understand that. I had a beautiful family. I had a pretty happy life. Um, but she asked, does anybody want Jesus to be your lighthouse? And, of course, I lost my mind, leapt up out of that seat. I shot up like a rocket <laughs> and ran to the front. At six. Huh? And, yeah, gave my wow. life to Jesus, went and sat back down, and they called the number, and I dutifully memorized my, like, nine-digit ticket number. <laughs> so when they called it, I leapt up again. It's me. It's me. And I got to win my, my painting. Wow. That is still in my house today. Um, wow. So that I can be reminded, at the time I didn't know all that I would go through. Mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, I joke that when we say yes to Jesus, it's like a contract, right? You see, you, you sign on the contract, and then all of a sudden, those <laughs> really fine <Wow>. print <laughs> comes into living color. And you think, wow, I didn't sign up for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've signed up for a lot of stuff I wasn't aware of. Mm. But I wouldn't trade it for anything Amen. in the world. I mean, I have walked through the belly of hell more than once on this planet, yeah. and I know I'll do it again. Yeah. But I walk with a Savior who gets me out of a fire unsinged. Mm -hmm. Praise God. Amen. Now we, we fast forward, and I don't, I don't know how many years ago, but you started working doing uh, relief work and raising funds to help with mm -hmm. compassion projects around the world. So yeah. you've worked for... Uh, Compassion International. No, that's where you are now. That's where I am now. Mm -hmm. Samaritan's Purse, World Vision, and now Compassion. Mm -hmm. How did you get involved with that kind yeah. of work? And uh, tell us a little about that. So like, my parents um, really took care of people wherever we went. When we lived in Jordan, we were there when the first Gulf War broke out. And so there were refugees that were pouring into the country of Jordan, living on the streets. And so my parents, you know, back in the day when you had, there were huge, big vans that looked like bricks on wheels. Hmm. That's what I learned mm. to drive. But they would take this huge Chevy van, 
take all the seats out, go to downtown Amman, Jordan, and pick up between 18 and 32 refugees off the street. Most of them were women who had given birth to babies um, as a result of rape from Iraqi soldiers, hmm. or women that had children and they had just fled with the clothes on their back. And, you know, the life of a diplomat's pretty posh. So we had a, you know, a monster home and then a 2,500-square-foot basement. And so my parents would bring these, you know, women, a handful of men in and feed them and clothe them and uh, make sure everybody had showers and then get them off to their embassies so that they could get back home safely. And so I watched that. Um, and at one, one point, a woman, um, she'd given birth to her baby on the street. She had two little boys about the ages of my little brothers. And my mom and I took these little ones upstairs to bathe them so this mom could sleep. Because any of us that have had babies that are brand new, <laughs> sleep is a hot commodity. Um, so I'm watching these little guys, and we're playing with them. And after a few hours, we took them back down. And this mom gave us two shirts, these little tank tops. They were like yellow and green. And my mom, you know, we had everything that we needed before we knew we needed it. So, mm -hmm. but this mother gave them to my mom and I for my little brothers to say thank you. And my mom, of course, is like, no, 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 you keep those, you keep these. It was the last thing she had. This is the only change of clothes she had for her children. And she kept saying, no, please, let me mm. give these to you. You gave us our lives. Wow. I'd, I'd like to give this to you. So I watched my mom take these, and we, she closed the door, and we both just burst into tears. And in that moment, I was a teenager, I just knew, this is what I want to do with my life. But I had my own life plan. I was mm -hmm. going to become a doctor. It's going to be a PhD, um, have written a book by 30, and travel mm. the world. <laughs> and mm. God had other plans for the me. The fine print yeah. down there. So yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. After not doing that, he, mm. you know, I was in a, a pretty gnarly nine-car pileup, had brain trauma, had to drop out of school. All kinds of interesting things happened to my mm. a very young but very destroyed body. I dropped out of med school and changed my major because that's what I told the Lord I'd do. If he said, if you hit me upside the head with a two-by-four, I'll change. Bad, like, be careful what you pray. <laughs> I was hit upside the head with a two-by-four. Um, so I went back to college, not knowing what to do. And on my graduation, a couple of my university professors and my friends took me out for a dinner to celebrate. And I don't know what, I had like a bulletin from church tucked away in my purse. And as I'm sitting at dinner, I feel Holy Spirit um, touch me. By that time, I knew it was Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I wrote five things down. Five things that just came to me. The first one was World Vision, hmm. North Carolina, fundraising. And there were two more things. I can't remember. I wish I could. And hmm. I tossed it away because that clean freak in me. Heaven forbid you have anything laying around. Hmm. Um, but I was... Yeah, I <laughs> suffer from that. <laughs> I don't think so. You just threw dirt at Jan. <laughs> I can guarantee don't you. Don't go towards my office. Finish your story, please. Um, so I, I got a call from World Vision for a job, fundraising... Hmm. And the, the place that most of the donors were was North Carolina. Hmm, what wow. are even the chances? So at that you know, job, of, you know, first interview, I don't even know I'm having an interview. I'm you know, on the phone with my potential boss telling hmm. him, oh, no, I don't want to do that. That sounds like a terrible job. I'm not qualified for that. You know, you should probably pick somebody else. Anyway, I got the job. Because <laughs> when God has a plan, yeah. sometimes we can attempt to oh, sabotage yeah. things, and he just goes in the back door. Um, <laughs> I've had God come in the back door so often in my life that I, because it's a bad idea to tell the Lord no, that it's just have the door wide open. Yeah. Just let him in. Just let him in. Amen. Because that's where he winds up anyway. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. All right. So I started Probably. at World Vision, went to Samaritan's Purse, and now I'm at Compassion. And I get to talk to these beautiful people all over the nation and connect them with people all over the world. That's awesome, awesome mm -hmm. stuff. Thanks very much. It's exciting to hear and see what you're doing and exciting things ahead, Kevin and your family. I uh, hope it's also helping uh, Rob Cooper, and uh, we're part of this group now called Global. It's a mm -hmm. sponsorship program, and so it was amazing divine connection. You came along. We met at the coffee shop, and that's turned into some uh, great consulting from Hope to help get this rolling. So thank you so much for your story. Thanks for saying yes to Jesus. We Absolutely. appreciate it. Amen. And so if anyone feels called to be part of something incredible around the world this season, Talk to me, talk to Rob. There are some great things to be done. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, Satira, you guys want to come up? This is Satira and Ch Therese, and uh, 
They, they got a story. I shared a little of her story a couple weeks ago about what God put on their heart to, when they got involved with missions a while ago, but I'm going to let them give you the details. Thanks for coming up. I know I didn't give you much, uh, much notice, and uh, thank you for being bold enough, brave enough to come up here. Sure. God never gives me uh, much notice, so you'd think I'd be used to it by now, but not. Um, good morning. I'm Charissa. This is my daughter, Satara. Um, also, you couldn't have asked a more emotional uh, up leading to stand up here. So um, I'm going to tell you about a yes that I said um, when my daughter was one, almost one. And uh, I'm crying, but it was actually very peaceful, <laughs> um, just emotional. Um, a little backstory. Um, we were in our one bedroom apartment. Oh, excuse me, I'm lying already. Two-bedroom, small little apartment. We moved out of our home. Um, her father is struggling with addiction, so we have gone to our own place. And um, God's been doing a work in me for a while at this point, but um, that day was just a very a peaceful calm came in, into the apartment. Um, I was a complete peace, and I just felt like I was supposed to go in to the bedroom where Satara was sleeping in the bed and, and just, just kneel down beside her and, and look at her. And, and I knew that um, because of the things God had been already doing, um, he was calling me to give up everything, not just say yes to coming to church or becoming a Christian, but I mean, will you, he wants me to quit my job. I'm a counselor in the secular world. I'm a single mother right now. I, I really have no idea what's going to happen, and it's, will you just give up everything? Well, yeah, the contract, right? I hope <laughs> the, yes, that peace that I'll do, I mean, it was the most amazing, wonderful feeling, um, so that's my Yes. Um, but I feel that it's, it's very big, whatever I'm going to have to do. I realize that it's going to be rough, and, um, mm. and there's a very good chance it's going to be just her and I, my little girl and I. And um, so anyway, that's the yes. And as far as I know, I've never turned back from that. We've had an amazing, amazing journey uh, shortly after that, Satara's father, his name's Jeff, uh, he did go to rehab. Uh, he got clean and sober. Um, a lot of hope came back into our family. Things were coming together. Um, we actually moved back to our hometown in Ohio to settle down, um, just really get it together, bring our family together. Uh, Jeff had a heart to um, help others struggling with addiction, and um, unfortunately that heart led him back to some people he wasn't strong enough to be around. And so um, God took him home. And so um, obviously you're, it's like, wow, well, um, now what, right? Because what I thought God was doing, um, maybe he was doing that, but that's not how things are going to go. So, so now my daughter's just turned two, and, and her, we've had to bury her father. And so... Um, I've already said yes, and um, the amazing thing is, is that even in the passing, the most beautiful, amazing uh, visitations from angels, from the Holy Spirit, from God, beautiful, amazing things that I don't have the time to tell you, but I know many of you in here have experienced that, and just to be so loved in such a broken place, um, and I felt called to share that uh, at the funeral, even though I really, before I walked in the room, I thought, you know, why can't I just sit in the front row? I just want to sit there and be comforted. God, why do, why do I have to do this? Mm. Why does it feel like I have to do everything? Mm. You know, I have to say everything, do everything. Um, I hope you can understand me in my squeaky crying voice. Uh, good. <laughs> anyway, good. so... So I speak, and the spirit is there, but the strangest thing starts to happen partway through. I start to feel that the enemy is also there, and I'm actually 
beginning to become hated Mm. with the funeral of the one I love Mm. for speaking what God's asking me to speak. Mm. Yeah. So, shortly after that, um, in the what do I do now, so I feel that, I sense that not a lot happens, but um, uh, Bali, Indonesia just keeps blop, you know, plopping in, plopping in. Was that in. when you were that, that young? Plopping when she in. was that young, you yeah. started getting a heart for Indonesia back then. Huh? Yeah, so it became uh, the only th- answer that kept coming. I'm from Ohio, California. You kind of know about Bali. In Ohio, we do not. <laughs> okay, we're a little bit further the other way. So... Um, I just sold all we had, which wasn't much. Did you and, didn't know anybody there at that uh, time? No, I, I did meet a woman on the internet. Kind of creepy, I know, but uh, <laughs> she's my friend to this day, but she helped me be able to come and stay longer. She helped with all the visas and things. Okay. So I did, and I traumatized my family. I think uh, my <laughs> mother was actually not speaking to me when I left. Uh, that she <laughs> I can could. maybe understand why a little so bit. So now I'm the, you know, not, not just uh, my family having a hard time, but you remember at the funeral, there's this thing, there's this uh, aligning of people who, uh, hmm. um, yeah, they're, they're lining up to hmm. attack me. The enemy is uh, moving. So you can see why God would actually do this. Um, so hmm. we go and we're there. And, and we go many places, actually. We're in Indonesia um, for a while, and then, then we're actually in Hawaii, then we're back here, and then Ohio, and blah, blah, blah. We go around. How old was Satara then? She was two. Okay. So, so uh, almost three. Okay. She, yeah. Do you remember that? Well, when we be- went back for the second time, I think some memories started to come back. I didn't remember it super clear. But when we went back, we kind of got to reconnect with some friends okay. that from the beginning. So I started to remember them a little bit when we went back for the second. All right. So I'll, I know we're uh, all going over time, but um, I'll quickly explain. So this, so we go and we're on this beautiful journey, and it's hard. I don't have a church. I don't have what we've called a covering. I don't have yeah. people paying for me. I don't have the sending. I don't have any of that. I have God. Hmm. And um, that's the thing about my story is that God made the church, but I mean, all you really need is him. I mean, hmm. I would love to travel again supported, but I've done it not. Yeah. But then I kind of laugh like, I mean, I went with God. Yeah, amen. I mean, you know. <laughs> that's a good cover. That's a good you endorsement. You know, I, I think, uh, I, think yeah. I was okay. So, so uh, lots of learning. I mean, just to be under his wing, to have my daughter with me learning. But yeah. every time we moved, I had to just discern. I'm, I was just like walking one step at a time. I had no idea what's next. I have no idea if I'm coming back. I, have, I just have no wow. idea. Wow. Only him. And so... Saying yes to God was risky then. It feeling, was. Feeling that. So then we come back to California. I won't get into all of this, but we lived homeless here wow. for 90 days saying yes, yes, he's, yes, he did. That one, I, I really wondered if I got it wrong, but I didn't. <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, and I learned a lot there. And, uh, and then I went back home uh, to Ohio, and I would become sued. Remember the plan, the thing wow. that, was, that was going on? I would become uh, hated, sued. I would, have, I would be bullied. I would have uh, wow. an assault. On my character. Huh. Yeah, it was something. Um, mm. But I just kept saying yes, and all the things that I had learned in this beautiful, wonderful, but hard first part of our journey actually became crucial for me to have to save my daughter for the second part because I would have dreams. I would know every warning, every attack, every assault before it happened. And remember, again, I don't have a team praying with me. I don't have any of this. I'm having to discern myself. And so, looks like we made it, huh? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, um, we go ahead. Oh, anyway, a quick story behind that. Um, So, I had to fire my attorney, um, represent myself, because God needed his word in the courtroom. 
And then a little bit later, after they already don't think I'm crazy, I had to shave my head for something else, so I gave up my hair. Whoa. And then I had to go back to the court, uh, to the judge, where I'm basically, now I look a little more crazy because <laughs> I've done this, and I have to stand in civil disobedience saying yes to the Lord because he has now placed uh, me, and this judge was a Christian man, and I told him I'm a mother in the United States of America, and I'm mm. a Christian, and you have put me in a position where I have to either follow you or follow God, wow. and I will follow him, and my child will never, ever, ever see me just compromise in her life. I won't do it. Wow. I, I realize that I could be punished, and I've come in here fully prepared for that. So we didn't hear it when we talked. I didn't hear that part of the adventure. I, I heard, Sharisha, when we talked, I heard Satira's story too, which is, man, you, yeah. you've been through some things. And then yeah. you went back to Indonesia and started doing missions work in Indonesia and how you guys got connected that. I'm kind of fast forwarding. Yeah, I'm sorry. Time. I'm just going to say one quick thing. In that. So, so, so what God does in that after I say everything and do everything is he puts us on a plane first class back to Bali and we're there for a year. Wow. Okay. So we'll leave that part because we don't have all day. So, and now, okay, and then, then uh, so we met some local people. I'm just leading up to Satara's part now. Okay. Uh, local people in Bali, they're our friends. Because um, God had plans for us rather than being stuck somewhere else. He wanted yeah. us to move on. And uh, they're a family uh, through a loss of two of their own children. They've been taking in children off the street. They have 25, 25 mm -hmm. kids. Wow. So... Uh, Satara stepped out on faith a couple summers yeah. ago at her lemonade stand, and she's going to share with you about so that's, that. So that's where your got, heart got connected. You met those kids, and you wanted to see them have more. And I think yes. that's when we started talking because you came to Connections class. And go yes. ahead, share that part. So they don't only take in children off the streets, but they try to help other people in different situations. And this one of these people that they're trying to help and they had emailed us about um, is one of the main reasons why I started the Lemonade Stand. Um, so his name is Putu and he is a paralyzed man. And for the most part in Bali, um, they really strongly believe in other um, gods. Um, but his older son, or his two sons, they had found out that he was praying to Jesus. And so they put their paralyzed father in a cow cage pen thing to live. And it was like, to get like a fuller understanding, it's like um, four sticks, mm -hmm. four sticks and like a little bit of like leaves on the roof, basically. Huh. So when we had got the email, my mom had told me that in the morning. And instead of, I think normally I would feel more sad or um, like that. But for whatever reason, this time I felt not, like, mad, but, like, de very determined. Like, I really want to do something about it this time. How old I, were you then? I was almost, almost 10. Almost 10. <laughs> and conviction to change something. Yes. Uh, that's what impressed me about you, girl. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. Um, and so I had set very high hopes. Um, but I believed that God would help me raise $10,000 to help that man get a home mm -hmm. and to help the orphanage to do things locally and globally and have a heart to serve for other wow. people with God. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I'm doing a lemonade stand. I'm raising $10,000, Mom. Okay. Okay. Let's go. How many in here have ever had a <laughs> lemonade stand? <laughs> yeah, okay. You want to raise 50 cents for the movie back then or like five bucks? I was yeah, yeah. So tell us about this lemonade stand and what happened to it. Well, her arm like almost got broken. She was like squeezing. Um, I was doing all the selling, but she was like behind the scenes. Oh, are you making this cute little girl? Oh, yes, and grandma. And they're like, oh, are you making the lemonade? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Where where'd you set it up at? Right in front of her house, okay. which is here in Slow. Um, so in about five-ish days... So, like, about a week, I set hours for the lemonade stand. There was a sign. We were open from 10 to 7 wow. every day for wow. a week. That's and determination. In the week, we had made $1,500. Wow. 
from the yeah. lemonade stand, of which was super great. I would have yeah. been really content and happy with that because um, we still do a lot of things with that. But on the very last day, a UPS driver, out of all people, had stopped by. And he's, I don't know how to really explain it, but long story short, so he's like a trainee, so his supervisor is watching him. And UPS has a partnership with United Way, mm -hmm. so that they have different um, non-for-profits non non <laughs> um, yeah. come and speak. Um, to have drivers pledge so much out of their paycheck for the year to your charity. Yeah. So we weren't even a charity or anything at this point, but we yeah. had some people to come into. But we are now. We are now Love oh. and Global. Oh, awesome. So we went and we spoke. and so we This is at UPS? Yes. You went and shared we went your story? And I spoke about the lemonade stand and our life and everything and about what we wanted to raise money for. And... After a little while of waiting, you know, we made $11,000, or they had pledged $11,000 and some more. Wow. And. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> we have recently went and spoke again. And this time in total, um, we have, they've pledged 16000 or. Yes, $16,000. $16,000. Wow. Started with the lemonade stand. That's really, really awesome. Yes. And, and it starts with a vision. And it you does. know that, that compassion and yeah. things you felt when you saw the man. Mm -hmm. You said yes to that. Yes. And God provides when we say yes. Yeah. Amen? Much over the 10000 which is <laughs> very so great. Cool. <laughs> you know, when we, when we met in the connections class, you're one of the most articulate Thoughtful young ladies I've ever met. Thank and, you. Uh, I think you're amazing. I think you're amazing, both of you guys, and what you're doing for the Lord, and just the obedience, the uh, you know the challenging obedience would be challenging for many of us. For me, like just gonna up it all and go and say yes. I know you need confirmations when you do that. Sometimes you gotta make sure it's God, right? And so before you're quitting your job and doing all, you gotta make sure it's God. That's a whole other sermon series, but, <laughs> but believe, thank you. Yes, and I believe that he would give me $10,000 and he gave us over and I still believe that Loving Global through him will be able to have more thousands and maybe millions and everything and we'll grow through God because all things are possible through hey, him. Go see that girl right there, Hope. Go, go, go see her. She'll hook you up. No. <laughs> thank you guys so much for sharing. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas to you, both of you. Bless you. All right. Last but not least, Carol Starbuck, come on up. Carol, Carol has been a missionary at our church for many, many years. I'll help you up right here. And uh, she is queen of adventure. So you said yes to God. And uh, you've been, I don't know, in how many countries on different assignments, because we've known each other probably 30-some years now. But uh, go ahead. Sure yeah, and I just want to thank, I, I love this church. I've been going to this church a long time. And Pastor Mike, thank you. He's walked me through a lot of different things. And um, I'm not going to share year by year what I've been doing, but I'll, I'll just keep it short here. But you know what? When I was in high school, I didn't know God, and I thought God was the keeper of the dead. And when I was in college, I said, God, if you're real, I want to know you. And God is so good to show me who he was. And, you know, I went with social work, doing social work and different things. And God started putting my heart on my heart um, just to, to reach out to, the, to those that don't know him. And so I remember I tell my mom I'm going to go to India. <laughs> and she calls her pastor in. <laughs> and they're both <laughs> pleading to me. They said, can't you just go to New York? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> but, you know. I know it's okay to cry because I've seen other people up here crying. So, yeah. I've been with the Lord a long time now, and I know a lot of you have too. And every year I just see God's more beautiful. And He loves people, and that's where my heart beats. It's like, God, people need to know you. And the more that I get to know Jesus, the more I get to love Him. I honestly, I thought at the beginning, am I going to kind of burn out on Jesus? But no, you know, it's like the more you know Him, the more you love Him. Mm -hmm. And so, I've been on the mission field for quite some time now, and um, I love the body of Christ because another thing I've learned is not only that Jesus is so beautiful, the body of Christ is beautiful, and everything that I've done, I've always seen it's just a little piece of what somebody else is doing, and so I just, I so appreciate the body and the giftings, and just hearing these stories, it's like, it, it inspires wow. me, but um, the last about 10 years, I've been with um, Youth with a Mission, and I've 
before that, I was in India with the Jesus Film Ministry, and just God's just good. And I've kind of done some training in um, evangelism and mercy ministry, different things. But I remember this. I just got back from Thailand a while back, and I remember as I walked through that campus, I remember a big sign, and it said, a, a journey of a 1,000 miles begins with one step. And Pastor Mike probably knows this about me. I've never known the full picture. It's God, what, what's next? You know, that and is so true. God's just slowly keeps revealing, yeah, step by step. And there's been challenges, and there's been so many times, even when I was in Thailand this last time, I was making a little book, and I know Satan just didn't want me to make that book, and I almost threw it down and said, God, I'm going to stop it right now, because my heart is to uh, reach the least reached. Um, mm. I mean, everybody needs to hear the gospel, but that's a real passion of mine, and I was doing a little booklet and it talked about Jesus in that booklet. Mm. And for some, that was going to be the first time the people ever heard the name of Jesus. Mm. And I just literally almost threw that book down and said, I'm not going to do it one more time because it was too hard. There was a lot of work to do, and there was spiritual warfare. But people came alongside to help, and we got it done. And so I just want to show a slide here. I think you've got a slide here. And just tell us, I was with Youth with a Mission. It's a... Um, missions organization that's around the world. This is a university. I was doing ministry work at, but can you show the next one? And I'll just, this is my passion. It's just, a, there's girls in that picture. There's a girl that was, that was being baptized. Her name's Ply. And I just remember one day I met her at a bus stop, and she said, we just got to talking, and I said, you know, you've got some beautiful things in you. And we started talking, I started talking about God. She didn't know anything about God. And she said, when I was five years old, she said, it makes me cry because people need, Jesus is so beautiful, you know, it's like mm. he's for all people. But she said, when I was just a little girl, somebody showed me a book and it had the name of Jesus in it. And I wanted my mom to read me the story. And from there, she didn't hear about Jesus for the next 15 years. And here's wow. this girl. And she said, Carol, can you bring me something? I just want to read about Jesus. And I'd run through the rain and she'd come running from the other direction. We'd meet at 7-Eleven and I'd give her a book. And she had that hunger and thirst to know him. And not everybody had that heart, but I saw people where God had been working in their heart. Anyway, she got baptized, and there's girls in that picture. There's a girl. We had a little uh, church fellowship where I was at, and she lived upstairs, and she would run by when we were having the services. She'd just walk really fast. She didn't want to hear because her parents were Buddhists, and she knew they're not going to want me to hear about Jesus. And I remember one time at Christmas, we were watching a video. And it was just a simple nativity story. And she stood back because she was afraid to watch because her parents might find out. But mm. she shows the faithfulness of God. That girl today is in a discipleship training school, and she's reaching out. And Amen. so that's the thing. You know, it's just like sharing the good wherever we're at in life. You know, our neighbors, whoever it is, we, we, we plant a seed, and somebody else will water that seed. Amen. And so now I've been with YWAM for about 10 years. And what's on my heart now is um, I'm going to go be with a counseling school. We're going to just uh, help. My background is counseling. And um, anyway, in this school, we're going to just be doing it kind of from Christian perspective and then uh, for three months. And then we're going to go maybe to Greece, somewhere where there's refugees. And again, we just want to reach out and just show the love of God. I mean, you know, I'm just overwhelmed by God. I just can't believe how beautiful he is and how hmm. good he is. And so I just want to say to everybody here, man, what God has put gifts in everybody here. Everybody. Go. I look at Mary and I think, well, she didn't know what was going to, you know, happen in her life. And of course, that was, you know, huge thing. But every one of us has got something. Just take that step. Because right it. now, my little challenge, just my little dog, I look at my little dog and go, oh, I don't want to say goodbye to her. You know, so many little things can stop, you know, it's hmm. like a kid to me. But so many times, you know, things have come up, and I just said, I can't take another step. But God's been there, and Amen. he's been faithful. So I just want to thank the church and just, um, Praise God. yeah. So when do you leave? Ready. I'm going to leave on the 29th and uh, back to Colorado go back to Springs. Colorado Springs. And then yeah. we're going to be teaching. Well, it's uh, professionals coming in, but we kind of mentor. Part of my calling, I believe, is God said, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation, yeah. you know, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Part of that is reconciling people to people, and part of that is reconciling God, you know, people with God. And so part of that is mentoring and, you know, training. So we'll be in the classroom just encouraging people that have a, a, something in their heart. They want to go out and reach out, but they don't maybe don't know how or they want to get some more skills. So just um, working some in the classroom and then going out 
probably around yeah. March. Uh, awesome. Maybe to Greece. We're not sure where, but anyway, God knows. Yeah. I don't know as usual, but There's God knows. There's a lot of refugees in Greece right now, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. And when I'm, I'm not sure it'll be there, but we'll see. Yeah. God, God knows. He will lead you because I've watched this. Done it. She goes. <laughs> she thinks know. she's going that way. A few months yeah. later, she comes back, and the story yeah. is amazing and yeah. how, how God's changed your plan. And you said yes and trust him to order your steps. So that's, that's amazing. And you've been faithful at it. You went from starting out serving, doing admin work, and now you're training missionaries. And I think that's the, the principle of faithful over little. God begins to add much, and you've been faithful in that. So we're proud of you as a church, and it's been fun to be supporting and, and with you. Thank you. Thank All right, let's pass that back. Stand with me. And uh, so I picked three gals, three single gals that at different parts in their life encountered Jesus, and then they began to say yes to him. And uh, as, as we're closing, just, just the, the, the whole idea, the concept we get from Mary's life, she had an encounter, she was challenged, she knew in that series of her life or that time in her life that it was the Lord dealing with her. And in real life, life goes on, we got jobs, business, all that. And uh, sometimes it's hard to hear his voice, but when you start hearing his voice and you feel like he's prompting you towards something, I just want to encourage you in this next season, pray about your yes. You don't have to go around the world. You don't have to quit everything to say yes to God. Some of you have had to say yes to raising your grandkids right now because of stuff that's gone on in your family life. Some of you now have gone from back to parenting or taking care of elderly parents. Some of you are saying yes in our community. We have people working with the homeless. We have people that are mentoring, people that are visiting county jail. And, and uh, we have people saying yes to God all over this community as well. But maybe there's something this year that he's going to knock on the door of your heart and ask you to say yes. Father, I thank you and praise you for Christmas. I don't know how it worked in heaven, but Jesus, you said yes to the will of the Father all the way to the cross. You said yes. I think about Mary. If she wouldn't have said yes, would that have hindered your plan? You needed her yes to complete your mission. I sense that in our church family, that you need our yeses to complete your mission in this community. And I pray in Jesus' name we'd be sensitive to that at Christmas. As we're closing, maybe you're here and you've never made the first yes. Maybe you've heard the gospel before and it, 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 you know, it's part of the Christmas story and you've heard it over and over, but you've never really said yes to Jesus. Scripture says this, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'd be saved. And there's a guy, Nicodemus, he said the same thing Mary did. How can this be, this deal about being born again? How can it be in the same answer, the Holy Spirit's going to do it? You may be trying to figure out how to be a Christian, but when you say yes to Jesus, he gives you the power. He does the changing. He changes you from the inside out. 